Hello everyone, welcome back to Beyond the Bench, and you will be listening to a repeat episode from Season 1 as we look back to our 29th episode, so about 50 episodes ago, a little over 50 episodes ago, about two years ago, and this was a Greatest Hits that we put together, and it features some great insights by Mitch Osborne from Harlan Community High School, Brent Butcher uh, at DCG High School, Dallas Center Grimes, and Nick Easley, a former player at Iowa and drafted by the Buffalo Bills. We had a chance to talk with Nick on a podcast back in Season 1. And we talk about some other subjects as well, but I think it's very timely to go back and look at some of these things right now um, as we get ready, really, to start preparing for the 2021-2022 school year now. And so we're going to replay this. And you'll notice it's back in the days when our audio was not edited and uh, kind of made right. So it's it's a little rough at times. It's back in the day when you had to turn it up a little bit for some people and turn it down for some people. But um, anyway, you'll get through it. And I uh, hope you enjoy this repeat episode from back in Season 1, a Greatest Hits episode. Beyond the Bench would like to thank our sponsors, Varsity Bound HQ, Gipper, and Hometown Ticketing for their sponsorship of Beyond the Bench. Again, thank you to Varsity Bound HQ, Gipper, and Hometown Ticketing for your support of Beyond the Bench and athletic directors across the state and across the country. So sit back now, enjoy this episode. Be blessed, everyone. Hello everyone, and uh, welcome to episode 29 of Beyond the Bench. We've kind of had a busy week this week with some uh, different responsibilities due to our schools, so um, we just decided that this week um, I'd create a little greatest hits type of podcast. So we're going to take a look at five different podcasts and play some little excerpts from them. So uh, our first excerpt is actually from our first show, recorded back on December 2nd of 2018. And in this segment, uh, Aaron and I are talking, and we're talking about dealing with the unexpected when that happens to you. And it kind of turns into a a talk uh, about an impact of relationships and how you can never underestimate... um, the long-lasting impact of those relationships that you have and you have an opportunity to make. So here's that first segment uh, with Aaron and I back on December 2nd. Uh, Weeks, 10 days that you you just really don't like to like to have to go through as as a school community. But we, unfortunately, one of our math teachers, he's got family out in Colorado and he'd been with the building. His first year at Kennedy was 2005. So he'd been, been with us for a while. Um, And, uh, he was out visiting family out in Colorado in Fort Collins and uh, wrong place, wrong time in a bad situation. And uh, he and his, his oldest daughter was an adopted daughter um, were rear-ended by uh, a pretty heavy ranch truck um, that uh, guy was trying to get away from something that he shouldn't have been doing and was in a hurry and hit their car and killed them both instantly. And that was Thanksgiving morning. And we found out about it Friday afternoon uh, is our math teacher sister gave our principal a call and, and let us know. And 
And, you know, we, we got together as administrative staff right after that um, and for about two hours. And for the first hour, we were just trying to console each other. Uh, the guy's name is Rick Neese, a unique guy. I could spend a long time just talking about Rick. Very unique educator, had unique gifts, and, and found a way to reach kids by using what he was passionate about. He was passionate about the guitar, and he used this guitar to reach his kids. Ran a guitar club. He had song after song. Uh, written with lyrics about geometry and geometry theorems and, you know, so to and that, and he, he just used it. He uses passion, his guitar to teach his kids. It's great. Um, so we spent an hour just consoling each other, but then at some point in time, uh, for those unfortunately have gone through this, you have to jump into this mode of, okay, we're going to have 130 staff members and 1800 kids show up on one, uh, you know, well, for, that's this Friday. We've got to let them know. And then we've got to start preparing on on Monday when everybody comes back together for the first time. How are we going to manage? I mean, you're a you're a you're a small town, and and community with all kinds of different personalities and grieving styles. And and some some would be like Rick who because they didn't know who it was, didn't have him as a teacher, or they were on the other end of the building as, and didn't interact that much as a staff member, which was very few when it came to Rick. But you jump into this mode of how are we going to manage the emotions and the grief. Um, of 2,200 people, this small town we run every day, um, and also still keep things moving forward because some of our kids, the, the way they grieve is, they, I, give me my chemistry, give me my LA, give me my world history. I got, I'm going to keep moving forward because that's how I'm going to manage this. Um, our, our principal, Jason Klein, did a fantastic job along with our counseling staff of, of really driving that. And, and, and it was a tough week, um, but we got through it. Um, Day by day, it got a little easier. Um, a lot of counseling staff in to work with our kids and our staff. And then we, we topped it off with a bit of a tribute um, to him last night. We had a, a little memorial service because he's all, all his family's out west, so they weren't doing anything back in Iowa. So we went ahead and did something last night with the family's blessing. And his youngest daughter came came out and was there last night and had a memorial service. And then, like I say, he loved the guitar and he loved open mics. And so we did an open mic last night to celebrate Rick. And it was a uh, a really bittersweet night, a lot of fun, but a lot of sadness knowing that we lost a pretty good guy uh, with that. So it's, it's a hard thing to manage in a school and, and it's a, you don't know how you react when you're in those situations, but I, I really thought our staff uh, really did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it was important for everyone who was there, including you um, to be a part of that. And uh, you're right. Uh, we go to work and I mean, we're, fortunate to be in a in larger schools where it is a small city that's coming to your school every day and whether you're in that or you're in a 1a school then the community knows everybody yeah it's still you know a group of a thousand to two thousand people that are affected by that um i i think the biggest thing when those things happen um and I watched my dad do this. I'll talk about him when I talk about myself a little bit, but my dad's been a minister now for golly going on almost 60 years. And, uh, I remember, you know, when things happened and, uh, his strength was probably hospital ministry over a lot of the strengths that he had, he was a great comforter. And I, I think the biggest things I learned from him that I've, I've used, when we've had these things happen in a school, whether it be a, a student killed in car wreck or, uh, you know, would take their own life or, or whatever the case might be, um, is that number one, you, you just have to be calm. 
Um, you have to offer support. There's no magic thing to say. And I think that, that's what I've probably learned more over the years. A lot of times you just got to show up and you have to listen. Yep. You just got to be there. You do. And it, it's really no secret. I, I, I think, you know, if anyone's listening, you say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do when that happens or what. I, just just be there and yep. uh, just show up and be present. That means more to people than I think we realize. And uh, just kind of be available, I think, is the biggest thing with that. So, yep. um, man, uh, I know there'll still be grieving going on. So, man, blessings to the Candy family. Yes, and, uh, you know, you'll you'll just continue to get through it because I know it's a great place and you've got great support there. So uh, one, kudos uh, to you. Uh, one, one real quick thing and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But I want uh, to, I just, I need to make this point with folks, you know, uh, Rick knew his math. Um, but I will tell you, uh, I actually tweeted about this last night when I got home, you know, there's all this talk out there about, you know, being a unifier and, and bringing people together. Um, I'll just say this, uh, we're educators and, and we're administrators and we're coaches and however else leaders that are listening to this. Um, never underestimate the power of relationship and never underestimate your reach because I watched kids who are now grown up 25, 26, 31, who have been influenced by this man that are from all different walks of life. I mean, they were, we had some rockers, we had some country kids, we had, we had kids who hated math, we had kids who loved math, and none of them talked about math. They all talked about that Mr. Nice took time to listen, get to know them, be there for them when it was a tough day, and build, build strong relationships with them. Never underestimate our ability to have lifelong impacts by being present for our kids. And, and it's easy to forget because there's lots of I's to dot and T's to cross. But, boy, we have to be intentional daily about not, not letting too many of those moments slip by because they matter when it matters, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the point you made about him and the way he connected, the the other thing I'll just tag on to that, because um, I think I have struggled with this in the past and I'm, I've just started to grasp it now in my later years, is just be who you are and let that be the person that's going to connect with somebody. You can't be the AD or the leader across the street or across the state, you've got to be who you are because somebody needs you to be who you are because that's who they're going to connect with. And don't ever underestimate um, the strengths that you have and just be, just be ready to use those. Uh, don't try to be somebody else. Just be you. And that's who Rick was. Uh, yep. Rick was himself. I think it's great when you talk about teaching and he used his passions to get to his teaching, man, what a great way to be. What a great lesson for all yep. of us. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Great stuff. Well, our second segment in this podcast, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Mitch Osborne. And we talked with Mitch back on January 21st. It was episode seven of our podcast. And uh, Mitch talks about uh, the things he's most proud of. Uh, that he accomplished as an athletic director at Harlan Community, and also talks about the Harlan Way, which is, of course, the multi-sport athletes and what Harlan and the Cyclones have been so known for over the years, and that's uh, just helped build them such strong programs. So here's that segment with Mitch, and enjoy that. 
Um, hey, so Mitch, putting your AD hat on for a second, what what's one thing you'd look back at now over your your years as an AD as as what you're maybe most proud of, what you've been able to accomplish or influence uh, uh, as an AD? You know, I I think um, you're working together as a team, uh, not top did that top down. I think working laterally together, uh, working together, and and I also think. The big thing is, and, uh, you know, when I was a Pomeroy Palmer, basketball was king, and uh, obviously in boys, and we really tried to really tried to implement more multi-sport and encourage that there. Uh, it still was a little tougher because our numbers weren't big, uh, but we needed them out for things, and they did end up qualifying for a football playoffs, and we did improve in football. And so I think uh, that we're seeing that. It, we definitely did that at Elkhorn Kimbleton because we had a lot of success in basketball, football, and baseball. And I think when I came to Harlan, I think the big thing that I really tried to emulate was what Kurt Blatt was doing with his football program, implement that sort of basketball, observed him. But then as far as the AD part, I think we really, our guy tried to get our coaches on the same page about sharing athletes. And if people have, kids are going to have a passion for one sport, and maybe they're going to put a lot more time in that sport, but we really need to encourage them to, to go after other sports and help. You know, I, I still remember my son, Joel, uh, his junior year. He said, dad, he says, I might not go out for baseball uh, because I really want to go to football. Okay. So I want to play college football. And I said, Joel, you need to be out for baseball. Cause you want, you want these guys out for basketball and football. You want those guys to be your receivers. You want them to help you. You need to be out. Well, long story short, um, Joel went out for baseball and talked to Coach Degas. Coach Degas, he went to a couple football camps, actually missed a couple games, and I've reciprocated uh, with some baseball guys in the winter. And Coach Blatt, we've all reciprocated on those things. And, uh, you know, we won a state baseball title that summer, his junior year, and went to state his sophomore year, his senior year. So um, he is so happy. And then a couple guys, he signed one of his best receivers, and Jeff Beeson both played football and basketball together. And, and so I think that is something we really got implemented that uh, our coaches cooperate. I've had a couple kids miss some basketball, uh, maybe practices over Christmas break because Vegas uh, boys, they went to Florida to a, a baseball showcase. And you just got to – and not penalize them. They're not going on a vacation to water ski or go fishing, you know, and I think that's been a big key. And uh, I, I think that really helped. And I think I needed to show that leadership as the basketball coach, giving something up and taking the pressure off the kid, saying, you know, it's okay. I don't, Or this summer, Brett Sears is our number one pitcher in, in baseball, and I didn't let him play any summer basketball. And I didn't want him to roll an ankle or hurt a knee and hurt a chance for baseball. We got state runner up, and uh, Brett's my leading scorer in basketball, averaging 16 points a game. And it's all, you know, <laughs> it's all working really good. I mean, could he be better in basketball? Yep. But you know what? If I don't think if I if I cooperate and I do that for him, it keeps him out, you know. And I think that's a, that's something we need to all remember: their kids and multi-sport activities. And I think the other thing then is our girls' programs here at Harlan. I'm very proud. Um, our girls were really they were good, but not going to the next level. And one of the great things is hiring our coaches there. And in fact, Todd Gordon uh, was fortunate enough to hire Todd and work with Todd here. He was a girls head girls coach for us for many years and did a wonderful job getting that ship righted and uh, uh, girls basketball and our volleyball with uh, Coach Spangenberg. And then Coach Clausen filled in and came up in basketball. He was a player of mine and coaching the boys. And 
Uh, you know, they've won a couple state titles, and so it's just been a it's been a great run to see the progress of our girls programs through the early 2000s till now. Yeah, they've they've been uh, they've been lights out, fun to watch uh, from over here across this side of the state. I want to follow up a little bit, go back to what you're talking talking about there, Mitch, with building that philosophy of the of the multiple sport athlete and sharing those athletes. Um, what advice might you have on, on on ads out there who are trying to have those same conversations? And they've got they've got that coach who I, I don't want to say the ego's in the way, but man, you, you get into coaching and the, and, and there's got to be some ego to that, and you gotta you gotta want to win your games and put together your best team. So how do you for ads out there trying to have that conversation with coaches who might be a bit resistant to this type of sharing of athletes, the site or you know the, the the cyclone way you guys have over there? What what's your advice on? going about that process of that coach. You know, I really think it's, it's you sit down and, and you get the both coaches in there or your whole coaching staff and you go through it. And, and you know, we got to share and we got to, you know, everybody, you want those kids as much as you can. We get it. And, uh, but in the same token, you've got to give them a little, a little space and a little rest time too, because there's only so much they can do. And, uh, you know, I, I just really think it's going to be a big key. Uh, Coach Blatt, for another example, uh, they go to a football team camp, and some of our top baseball players uh, are maybe not, are not going to go, uh, and that's okay. They're going to be okay, and they don't get penalized. And you know, um, they say you know, and they want their passion in one sport, and maybe they got to go to a recruiting venue, and um, and and go to a college or a college visit. And I think you just got to be flexible. And you just got to, because I think if you show that side and you take the pressure off the kid that the coach does and, and, and they know they're not going to get penalized. That's the big thing. As long mm-hmm. as they're not penalized for it and, and, uh, and you can be the leader. And I think I approached Coach Blatt. They never had open gyms here in Harlan in the mornings during football season. And I just said, Coach, we're not going to play no pickup games. There's going to be no scrimmaging, nothing. Can they come in and shoot? Billy Cundiff was my point guard, and Billy really wanted to shoot. And uh, Coach said, that's not a problem. I just went and talked to him. And I think uh, – and he said, not a problem. Friday, game days, we gym shut. Kids aren't in there shooting, you know. But uh, we don't have a shooting workout per se, But and I don't make the kids and require it. But uh, our kids, uh, as far as the weight room and lifting – we got our. We've amped that up a lot. I think that was one thing we needed to do a better job of, but uh, we're doing a much better job. We got all the coaches on board on that, and that's also a big thing. And our weight training is, is getting better, but we know we still got some work to do. Our facilities in Harlan, uh, we've renovated Merrill Field, which I'm very proud of, and it's a gorgeous facility now. But uh, and our gym is very nice, but I, our weight room is very plain Jane very meager it needs remodeled renovated i mean it's it's nice it's clean uh but i coach blatt coach Davis, coach murtar resting coach all of our coaches the biggest thing is we don't have to have the fanciest equipment we just need our kids in there doing the work and i think that's another key yeah amen to that i'm gonna, I'm gonna tap i want to i want mitch to share one example because it was his son joel and uh, Mitch, just tell the story about Joel going to football camp and pitching the state championship game. I think it was state championship the same day. Well, it was actually this wasn't the state championship game, but you're right, Coach Todd. It was a, it was a tournament game, and he actually he we went to a basketball shootout tournament over at uh, at Kearney, 
And I drove him over there because he didn't know if he's going to play football or basketball in college yet. He, he was still up in the air, and he had several offers, more offers for basketball. So we went from Kearney uh, and drove three hours, played, and we drove to Red Oak and played the tournament game. And then we drove back to Kearney the next day, that night and played the next day and then got back for practice and then play, you know, and with Coach Davis's blessing. And, you know, but that's what you're going to have. And Coach Davis gave him that blessing to do that. And, uh, you know, and uh, I've done the same. Coach Degas said, I, I, another example, Brett Sears just this year, he was gone all Thanksgiving break. Coach, uh, he had, they had a family trip planned forever, and uh, they had a family trip, and they were going to be gone. And I'm going to miss this scrimmage, and I'm going to miss uh, uh, two practices here. What he had, he's leaving on Tuesday, Wednesday. I said, Brett, it's not a problem. His kid works, it, it's, you know, we made it work with him. I've made it work with other kids. Uh, yeah, do you want them there? Yeah, but there's there's some circumstances I think we just got to be. And, you know, that's the thing I've learned. I would say when I was younger, I was not that way. I was probably too much straight and narrow. You got to be there. You can't miss. You got to do this. You got to do that. And uh, I've learned uh, to definitely be more flexible. And I think that just that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that uh, that leads in you. It's like a perfect segue for us there, Mitch. Um, you know, you mentioned you'd. Uh, you've learned over time to be more flexible and and look at those situations. And before I get to the question part, what a great example I think there of, uh, you know, because anytime I've watched Harlan play or if I've talked with people who have to con- to consistently compete against Harlan and, and teams you guys have over there, um, just relentless work ethic and effort and, and passion are, are the things I, I consistently hear. Well, man, when you guys are giving them that kind of flexibility and that kind of respect, um, to to set aside maybe uh your your you know, put, take the blinders off and see the bigger picture for these kids and give them flexibility to do those types of things man those kids have to just come back and want to run through walls for you so that's a great job by you guys and a great lesson to learn about you build that trust up and that relationship with those kids and they'll work harder for you in the times you have them than if you tell them no and then they're mad at you all year long because you wouldn't you wouldn't be flexible so great job on that i, I think aaron you and they will go through a wall for you, and they'll do this. And, and it's just – it's amazing. I'll tell you what, in the fall in football, we've got guys that got a tremendous amount of passion for baseball. And on, you know, the perfect game, and they got a Sunday uh, league. To play. we got guys that go play baseball on, on a Sunday. Uh, you know, and girls Gur- basketball, uh, you know, club volleyball. I, I, I'm i a supporter of everything, but I sometimes you think they're playing volleyball about 11 months out of 12 months of the year but they'll do our coach you know they they say this is the night club volleyball go we'll make sure we don't schedule it so he's on sunday nights they've gone and they've had another night he's been flexible we had jess shaven the great all-american from iowa state and coach clausen made sure we were flexible and i i don't think if we wouldn't have been flexible she might not have been out and you want her out and it's not like i say she's not goofing off she's out working mm-hmm. you know it's not giving a special treatment. I mean, we, he, he's fair. I'm giving her example because everybody knows Jess Shaven. So uh, the point I'm making is, is, is we do it for all the kids. We really try to do it for all the kids. Now, we do try to protect game nights, but, you know, as much as we can. And game days, uh, you know, like I said, but uh, we really, really try to be flexible. Our third segment tonight is from episode 12 which we recorded on February 24th, and it was with uh, Nick Easley. 
Nick Easley, the former Newton High School great, uh, Iowa Western, and then University of Iowa, and now uh, in a free agency trying to catch on with the Buffalo Bills. And we had a great night talking to Nick. And uh, in this segment, he's going to talk about his relationship, his recruiting, uh, specifically with Coach Strohmeyer at Iowa Western, his high school experience, uh, what that kind of taught him, what he learned from that, and also about his struggles and what kind of kind of helped him be intrinsically motivated uh, to continue to achieve at such a high level. So here's that segment with Nick Easley. For a little bit. But... Um, on, on one of the – just with another question, because I think, Nick, your story is so, so great uh, for – other athletes, other coaches, other ADs to hear that they don't know. Um, tell us a little bit how you were recruited, what you were recruited as, uh, to where, and, uh, you know, how all that came apart. Because I think that's a fascinating part, you being recruited as a kicker. Yeah, um, so out of <laughs> high school, uh, I was – I kicked and I punted, and I also played receiver and some DB. Um, and uh, I want to say – so Missouri Western was a Division two school. Um, and they were my biggest offer and they wanted me to punt. And uh, I've pretty much talked them into if I was going to go there, I could play receiver, but they really wanted me to punt. Um, and then I think other than that, I, my only real offers were, uh, I think, Grandview and William Penn. So uh, other than Iowa Western, obviously coming in kind of late and and ended up picking me off. So, mm. And then if I could, too, I, I, I want to go back. You're, you're coaching with Coach Strohmeyer, and that's it's personal for me because I know Coach Stroh um, from when I was in my Western Iowa days. We went to the same church. Okay. And uh, just if you can, just talk about – we're going to talk later about the impact of coaches, but since we're on it here, if you could just talk a little bit about the impact that he had on you, why, why he uh, maybe got the inside track on you, uh, What's your relationship with him, and what did you learn from him? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, Coach Stroh, uh, for me, the thing about him was he always uh, he always gave me a shot. And uh, at Iowa Western, you know, uh, it's a pretty big JUCO program, and we had a lot of guys who were either bounce backs from Division ones or Division one uh, offers out of high school, and they were non-qualifiers. So there was quite a bit of talent. And then you got me coming in as this little short kid from uh, the middle of Iowa. And uh, the thing about Coach Stroh is he always gave me a fair shot to compete. He always treated me with respect. Um, and he always judged me on, on my actions and my performance and my character uh, rather than, you know, how many offers I had or, or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it really took a, a special coach like him to, uh, you know, give me that opportunity that I needed. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful I had him. That's great. Thanks. Nick, looking back, why was your high school sports experience such an important part of your journey, you know, on the way to the Hawkeyes? Yeah, it uh, it really just laid the foundation for everything, you know. Um, just the lessons that I learned from, uh, you know, the coaches at, at Newton, um, you know, whether it be Coach Ergenbright, uh, Chase Dickinson, uh, Coach Swedenhelm, um, a lot of guys, you know, just instilling the values of, of hard work and, you uh, just really, you know, teaching me how to how to do things the right way and just the right way to go about things. And I think that you can apply those to, to anything, um, any level of sport or any level of life. And they really laid the foundation for me. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. Uh, Nick, I want to kind of come back to your journey there and maybe what Todd alluded to there a bit. Um, so you talked, you just, you're a, a self-defined, uh, you know, late developer in your athletic, although I think Scott would disagree with that, but from, <laughs> from, uh, from your maturation stuff and, and obviously your, your path being recruited, you were, you weren't recruited to be a, a division one receiver uh, yeah. and do the things you've done. So obviously there's been some hurdles, some, some struggle mm-hmm. along the way, uh, whether you didn't think there were some times physically you could do it, uh, whether you had people saying, oh, Nick, what are you thinking? You're crazy. You, you, you can't get there. What have been some major motivators for you along the way when you've hit those those obstacles or those barriers? Uh, maybe in your mind you're saying, yeah, this isn't going to happen. How have you overcome that? Uh, what are some major things you've used to, to do that? Yeah, um, I, for that I would say, uh, you know, that – that drive or that motivation um, always has to come from, from within. It's always got to be an intrinsic thing. Um, and for me, you know, with the journey and so many ups and downs, uh, there have been, a, there've been times where quite frankly, I didn't know if I could do it, you know? Um, and, and there, there were also some other factors like my dad uh, has been, you know, huge in that. Um, I remember calling him after my first year at Iowa Western and being like, Hey, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know if I'm good enough for this. Um, and just having him as kind of a, a sounding board and um, having someone there to kind of always uh, reiterate, you know, what he knew I had in me and uh, just remind me of, of why I came there. And, and that's really what it always was, was just reminding myself of why I started it. And uh, and I was able to always come back to that when things were, weren't going my way or if, if I was looking down on something. Can I... I that's I love that I love hearing your dad being involved with that. I want to come back to something you just said there because this is something we we talk an awful lot about with I, I know with ads talking with our coaches and and when you're talking with coaches uh, with high school kids, you're a constant struggle is getting kids to shift from the external extrinsic motivators to what you just got done talking about of being reminded this this is why I want to do this. Um, do you, do you recall a time or a process or, or, or a coach or something that, that maybe turned that switch to you, that, that turned on that internal drive over being externally driven or extrinsically driven? Was there something that happened in there? Yeah, um, I, I would say at Iowa Western, um, my, uh, my first year I had a, a coach named uh, Carson Pike. He was uh, our offensive coordinator and receivers coach. And uh, I remember him talking about how, you know, we're playing at Iowa Western and quite frankly, you know, you kind of feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere sometimes. Um, and there aren't really a lot of those, you know, external factors, whether it be, you know, uh, popularity, um, things like that. So you kind of, you really have to find it, find it within you and and figure out kind of like your why and why you do it. Um, and then I think once you find that, that why for yourself, you can really, uh, you can really go places with that. The next segment is when we really have the most fun, and that's when the three of us are able to be together, when Scott and Aaron and I are at the same location and can record a podcast together. And this segment takes place at the Iowa Athletic Director Convention in Coralville on March 25th. And on that Sunday evening, we sat down with Brent Butcher, who we all know and love as Butch. And uh, Butch is going to talk about... uh, well, he gives us probably, arguably, one of the best quotes um, in all of our podcasts. And you'll hear that right away uh, in, in this little segment. And uh, then he's going to talk 
in the next segment after that about the characteristics of some of the best leaders that he's worked with. And he'll give you three characteristics of great leaders. So here's that segment with Butch. Enjoy that now. Thoughts too, as you, you, you said that, that's what struck me. Yeah, no, and, and, and um, I, I, I will always, my, my why, you know, it, it'll, it has to match up with the community that you're, you're involved with. And, I, and I'm a firm believer that championship relationships will always be more important than championship trophies. Yep. <laughs> always. It's great. No doubt. And yeah. you really can't have, in my opinion, one without the other. And that doesn't yep. mean that I'm not competitive because I'm as competitive as they come. Um, but, <laughs> but when it comes to being able to survive in the highly competitive world, you got to be able to have those championship relationships. Yeah. And um, the whys have to match up. And uh, um, I'm really hoping and I believe that that'll, that'll be the case in this situation. So, um, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, is, is that um, uh, I'm okay with saying that it's, it's probably time for another person to get their eyes on, on the Ankeny Activities Program. I'm okay with that, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, because that's okay, too, because it's really we're just gatekeepers. You know, and, and um, you know, you come in, you do your job. We did our job in the split. Our, my job, I believe, for the last six years was to split the school, all right, and to make sure that our kids believed that they had an opportunity to succeed in this conference, okay? Um, you know, no, we didn't knock out state championship after state championship after state championship, but they, we got them to – our big thing is trust, family, believe, okay, and then Hawks, right? And I believe that we – we were able to knock those things out in the six years that we were there and, and set the stage for someone else to come in and, and do a really good job. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, shifted up a level now as you've, uh, you, you've been a great uh, athletic administrator. You've gotten involved wherever you've been and, and engaged. And, and the great experience you've had at North Scott and Fort Madison and, and, and Ankeny, um, you've come across a lot of great leaders, other ADs or, or administrators you've worked with or you've come across in different scenarios. What what are some of those characteristics and those folks you find that, that maybe make them great leaders, made them stand out along the way? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for us being activities directors, I think it's always important to have, um, um, you know, your principal or your superintendent or whoever it happens to be uh, understand the importance of uh, educational-based activities uh, to the educational process. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we've all probably maybe worked for, for administrators that, that uh, maybe don't, don't see that uh, in the same light as others. Um, so, so to have that support um, from above uh, is, is very, very important. That, like you matter and what you do on a daily basis matters. Um, that, I think that's one characteristic of a, of a, of a, of a good leader. Um, gosh, I can think of my, my current uh, principal right now, Jeff Hawk, Dr. Jeff Hawkins. He is the most compassionate uh, administrative leader I've ever been around. Um, um, that guy can talk you off a ledge in a hurry, um, <laughs> and he can he can um, show you grace. Um, and and it's not just about what takes place inside, you know, the school building. It's what's important also outside. You know, how's things at home? How's your son doing? How's your daughter doing? Um, you know, and and so so uh, uh, you know, compassion uh, is also extremely important. You know, vision. Uh, uh, those leaders who are able to, um, you know, share a vision and then um, put things together, put strategies in place that that will see the vision through. Um, I think one of my weaknesses sometimes is actually seeing projects through 
Um, you know, so those individuals who can actually wrap it up, right, or, or finish the drill, you know, are, 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 are people that I admire so much. Um, and, and there's a lot of great leaders in, in Ankeny uh, as well. So those are those are three. Um, let me think. Yeah, I would say those are the top three. That's a good one. Our final segment in this episode, uh, episode 29 of Beyond the Bench, um, Aaron Stecker leads us into a conversation where we talked about the coach and parent balance and uh, some of the problems that can come from that, some of the uh, ideas we have to maybe help that. And uh, we had a good discussion. This is just a little snippet of that. Um, but enjoy this. This is from May 20th, and this was our 20th episode. And uh, here's a little bit about coach and parent balance. All right. Well, um, you know, Todd, you kind of sent out a a, a message kind of saying, hey, what's kind of out there for topics you're dealing with? And, and I, I tell you, this has been a growing one for me. I want to talk a little bit about uh, maybe what you guys are experiencing or just you guys' thoughts on, I guess I'm going to call it a coach, coach-parent balance. Uh, you know, we talk about boundaries an awful lot between coaches and, and, and parents and, and everybody has their roles and, you know, the, the, the the common quote now is, you know, stay in your lane. And I, I guess this is kind of beyond that though. I, I'm there's coaches and, and, and parents as the adults involved in, in our, our activities, our athletic programs, they've got to be kind of partners in, 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 in helping, uh, in my opinion, at least our, our activities programs be the best it can be for our kids. We coaches, coaches and, and directors can't do it without parent help and parent support and parent engagement. And, and, and parents can't have great experiences with the kids without coaches doing the right things and, and working hard for the kids and, and being there for the kids uh, and, and, and leading those great experiences. So it seems like sometimes that that just gets out of balance and out of whack. And, and I seem to be dealing with that a lot, quite a bit. And I know our coaches and our parents are. So I want to have a discussion, kind of you guys' thoughts there. So let me throw it to you guys first. And maybe, Scott, you can talk about it first. Are you, are you feeling what I'm feeling? Is there an increase maybe in these contentious relationships between parents and coaches that from your perspective? I mean, I think if for me in uh, all my different travels, I, I think uh, it's been different everywhere I've been. And as you guys know, like it's all about the, the relationship that the coach is developing with the student athletes. And I think there's some issue where parents also feel like, you know, unless their kid is playing a lot or starting or they have to have this certain role on the team, their kid's not having a good experience. And, and that's, I think maybe for me, the one thing that we need to do a better job as ADs is just explaining to our parents and, and our coaches is that just because a kid doesn't have the role the parent or the kid wants, doesn't mean that they're not going to have a meaningful experience within our programs and making sure our coaches know, too, that they need to explain to our kids and have those conversations with our kids about being open and honest with them about their role in the team. I think one thing that I've seen that's worked really well for coaches is our coaches to really have a one-on-one session with their players at the before the season kind of starts on what their coach feels their role is on the team. And I've had a lot of coaches um, kind of, uh, you know, take that on. Um, although maybe not always fun to tell kids what their role on the team is and they might not always like it, but I think just explaining that to them at the front of the season has helped with maybe some of those issues and those boundaries that always kind of 
get crossed, but that doesn't mean it always takes care of it. But at least our student athletes know where they're at. But I've had issues with, with parents every place I've been. And I always got to think, you know, what is this family dealing with? Cause you know, a lot of times when I've had like really bad parent coach, you know, issues, there's something going on with that family that is driving, you know, that, that playing time or that, you know, coach relationship issue past what I would think would be normal. Um, and, and I've always, it's either that I find out on the back end that there's something else going on, whether it's a, you know, a family member that's been ill, whether it's a financial issue, whether a parent lost a job, um, you know, whether it's a death in the family, I've always found that there's something else going on because as you guys know, we got some great kids that don't start for our teams that are going to be successful young people when they go on. Um, these kids are going to go and be professional, you know, doctors, lawyers, engineers, architects, teachers, athletic directors, principals, you know, nurses, whatever their, you know, chosen profession will be. I've got tons of kids that I've known that haven't been, you know, all state, you know, starters, big time players that are, have learned a lot from the, the activities and the athletics that we provide as athletic administrators. And just that, I, I think our parents need to understand and realize that, you know, our, our coaches have huge jobs. They spend tons of hours. And I think, and I guess that's that's where I'm at. I don't know if that made any sense at all, but that's kind of where I'm at with that and, and my feelings about it. Sure, no, it did. How about you? Yeah, I, I think I think you're exactly right, Scott. Um, you and I have been a few different places, and I, I do think yeah. it looks, it looks different at in every community, uh, depending on your demographics, depending on mm-hmm. uh, you know some socioeconomic things, mm-hmm. uh, family dynamics. Um, yeah, I, I think it looks different and the problems can be, can look different. Um, I do love your point about, I think there's, there, we, we do have to always see if there's something a little bit deeper Yeah, uh, causing this emotional outburst on, um, whether it's playing time or the role on the team, is there something, is there something else? And I, so I think, I think. The other thing, we're all a little bit more, quote, seasoned. We've had kids that have played. So we have felt those parent emotions too. Yeah. I think it's important that we we use those and we say, you know, yeah. I, I know how you feel. Um, yeah. Um, we can, we can uh, you know, identify with that. So I, I think – Yeah. Um, you know, I think personality-wise, I think I always kind of start with sympathy and empathy. I always try to see where they're at and what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, and if I have a story that can relate to that, I'll I'll share it from my kids. Yeah. Uh, yep. I've had kids that have hurt, been hurt, and missed seasons. And, uh, you know, with torn ACL, I've had kids that have lost starting spots. I've had kids that have maybe been felt like – maybe treated a little bit unfairly by a coach, you know, so I think we felt that. Um, so I think it's important that we, we use our own personal um, experiences as well. Um, the yeah. other thing I 
think we have to really be honest with is, you know, is there frustration coming from a role they play on some sort of travel team or mm -hmm. that's different than what it's going to be on a school team? Yeah. Because um, that can cause a lot of heartburn for some people too. Yep. And, you know, then we're getting... I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Beyond the Bench. Again, this was episode 29 in our series dating back to December 2nd of 2018. You know, we have enjoyed doing this and certainly thank you for listening. Um, you know, it's a busy week. And if you're out there, you're in the school system at all listening and you're an AD or a coach, you know it's busy. So uh, that's kind of the reason we put this together tonight. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it and I, I hope you learned a little something. As I was doing it, um, I listened to several segments from different podcasts that we did. And, you know, we've just been blessed to to talk through a lot of things with a lot of great people. And uh, we look forward to continuing that. And if you'd like to come on the podcast and talk about something, please let us know. Uh, you can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com or get in touch with Aaron, Scott, or I on any of our social media platforms, and uh, we'd love to talk to you. So again, thanks for listening, and uh, I know we have been blessed by, by doing this podcast and talking to so many people, and uh, in the same token, again, we hope that you will be blessed as well.